Raise your hand if the Lord touched you tonight. Yes? That's wonderful. Raise your hand if he didn't. Good. Some of you guys lied to me when you didn't raise your hand. Welcome to Alabaster. Hello. You guys good? A little yeah. hungry, but yeah. A little hungry? Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to quench that hunger with the word tonight. Nope. No wrappers. Nope, don't even do it. Tonight we're going to continue our uh, study through the book of James. Yeah! Woo! Yeah. Yeah. And we're in, uh, we're going to be in chapter four. So if you are an overachiever, you might think, I'm going to turn to James chapter four. Because we're not going to have you turn anywhere else. Okay? And the cool thing is, when I preach so-called series, they're not really series because they don't really build on top of each other. It's just kind of these, you know, it, they can stand alone, if you know what I mean. So if you miss some of them, that's all right. This will still be for you. But I would encourage you, go find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and go listen to them. Okay? They're all up there. It's pretty cool. We have the technology. And all you search is alabaster, and then you'll see our stuff. It's the recording right now, so this is going to be on the podcast. <laughs> and everybody's going to be like, man, who's this disruptive guy every single week? <laughs> I listen every week, and yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... Maybe once now and then once every other week too. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to hold back any punches tonight. So if I offend you, just remember that's all right. You'll get over it. Okay. And just remember that you're an adult. Okay. And I believe James, James chapter four is a revolutionary chapter. I really, really do. Okay. So, like I always do, here's a dope little intro, all right? First off, as we read this, remember that he's writing to Jewish converts into Christianity, so a.k.a. Jewish Christians, okay? That's the context here. And this has to be read that way and applied that way, okay? And that'll make more sense as we kind of roll through this, okay? Okay. Um, this writing is to people who have agreed with the teachings and religion of Christianity, okay? So, hopefully, that's all of you in the room as well, okay? Okay, yeah. So when we read this, we cannot think of our unsaved coworkers, our unsaved friends, our unsaved family members. This is not necessarily, not necessarily for them. This is Christian to Christian talk, okay? Please... Listen to this message through that lens. If you don't listen to this message through that lens, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to call me heretic boy. Okay? You're like, oh my gosh, this guy, I'm never coming back here. No, you're going to want to come back. Okay? The presence of the Lord is here. You're going to get, in, you're going to get addicted. And then it's just going to be like, all right, I can't not go. All right? So this message is called, His Ways Are Higher. His ways are higher. So if you take notes, write it down. His ways are higher, which is frankly true and can stand on its own, but I want to kind of hopefully inject a hunger and an awe into this that maybe you don't know. Okay? Okay? We're in this mess, we're in like the teaching segment of the night now, so this is where you kind of engage just a little bit more with your mouth, okay? Okay, great. How many of you are more prone to worship when he does something for you? Come on, have fun with me. Let's, let's be real. When he does something for you, guess what you're going to do? Oh my gosh, praise God, right? Nothing wrong with that, okay? But if it's only that, something wrong with it. Yes? Good, good. How many of you are more prone to worship him 
when his promise hasn't come to fruition. That's a little bit harder, right? Then it's like, oh man, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm worshiping through this. Or some people say I'm worshiping before my breakthrough, right? That's a very Pentecostal thing to say, very fun thing to say. But man, that in application is a little bit tougher. Yes? Yeah. Last question is, how many of you are, are more prone to worship just based on who he is? Then it gets even harder, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to. The first one was fun, and then it was just like, oh, that was maybe a little bit, you know, you get it. <laughs> just based on who he is, right? Just his character, what he actually carries, what he that he is, right? It's a little bit tougher. We see these two, two broad spectrums of, okay, I'm going to worship him because he did something for me, and I'm also going to worship him because of who he is. Not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. Depending on how you answer these questions will, will frankly determine two things. And hear me. Does Jesus work for me, or do I work for him? Or, maybe said differently, does Jesus report to me, or do I report to him? Right? Some of us don't realize that we're falling into the not-so-good one. Right? Because it's like, well, I'll only praise you if you bring this healing. Or I'll only praise you if you do this, Lord. Or if you do that, Lord. And then it turns into Jesus, you work for me. And I'm going to give you an assessment and a grade at the end of the year and see how you actually did for me. Your quarterly review is coming up, Jesus. You better bring this healing or else it's going to be bad news, right? Do you get this? What this is, this is a very scary reality of what, <coughs> of what a lot of us fall into, right? I don't like sneezing. <laughs> That gives you the watery eyes and all, you know. It's just, Big disruption. Woo! <laughs> what gets even scarier is when we start withholding our worship because he didn't do what we wanted, the way that we wanted, or how we wanted. Right? And you guys are like, oh, I would never do that. I'm super spiritual, Lex. Well, I know some things. Selfish Christianity is that. How many of you know that the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 are not for self-edification but church edification? They're not, to, they're not to solidify you and your ministry. It's not to say, well, oh, wow, he must be spiritual because he just prayed over somebody and they got healed. Cool. Yes, that's fun. I love those moments. But guess what that, the more important thing is? Is that that person's edified, a.k.a. the church is edified. And that testimony stands the test of time because then the church begins to continue to be edified. A lot of us fall into spiritual manipulation and abuse because we want to promote our own ministries. Like, oh, I'll, I am so-and-so, and I want to be taken seriously by the cute boy across the room or the cute girl across the room, so I'm going to do something. Or, okay, well, there's a pastor here, so I want to make sure that I'm, I'm on my A game. Do you get it? I want to be seen by that person. Instead of, I need to actually not so much care about myself if I actually want to see him manifest and edify his church. Does that make sense? Yes. I need to actually care about Zoe 100% if I'm praying over her. Not my agenda, not my motives, not my will, right? I really want you to grab that because especially with us people who believe in the spiritual anointings and spiritual giftings, we like to be seen. We like our followings, right? We love our Instagram followers and we love all of these things, but actually it's the quiet and the lowly that see the miraculous moves of God more than anybody else. You gotta capture that, okay? It's not self-edification, it's 
You see what's happened over the years in Christianity culture or Christian culture is we've so desperately wanted the world to accept us that we've made Christianity and the church about self and about how many people can I get in my door? Yes? How can I promote this thing so that people come? How many of you know that Holy Spirit doesn't need promotion? He promotes himself very, very well. Yes? And he does it by word of mouth because testimony is much, much louder than some cool marketing scheme. Yes? Yes. We have to be careful when church becomes a human experience, not a fragrance to the king. Yes? Did you hear me? How many of you know? Yeah, I'll say it again. We have to be careful not to make church a human experience, but a fragrance to the king. Where it's come to our six worship experiences on Sunday at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. <laughs> right? Got to be careful. Got to be very, very careful. I don't want humans to experience church. I want the church to bring a fragrance to the king. Don't you? Don't you? Like, man, that sounds way more fun to be a part of in my eyes, right? I think that's what we do here, or we're on our way to be doing here, right? That's what I think is sweet, sweet nectar to the Lord. What's our, lit what's our litmus test to this? Can I worship the king when I, when I don't even know the song that we're singing, right? I'm not talking about, or if I don't like the song, right? I'm not talking about heretical lyrics or anything like that, but if I just don't like the melody or the style, can I still posture myself and worship him, right? If it's some blue-haired lady on an organ singing out of tune, can I still worship him? Because he's still worthy at that moment, yes? He didn't become less worthy because somebody sang out of tune. He didn't become less worthy because it wasn't, I don't know, whatever your preference is. He's worthy, period, in all facets of life and all melodies and all fragrances to him. Yes? If we capture that, the roof is going to blow off this building when we all worship in unison. Yes? That's the kind of culture I want to be a part of. I get we have preferences, but do my preferences overrule his worthiness? The devil has done a very, very good job of convincing Christians that we only need to give part to the Lord. And if we tie all of those things up, giving part to him, human experience, a Jesus that works for me, a selective worship, we get sucked into a division at the church at large and unity goes out the, out the door. And guess what? Pentecost could never happen in that kind of environment. Right? Because yes. the key factor to Pentecost was one, the Lord's timing to a bunch of people in unity. Don't you want Holy Spirit to fall? Don't you want the nearness of Holy Spirit in your life? Don't you want the reality of who Holy Spirit is to saturate every facet of your life? Don't you want to be at the same rate as you? Don't you? Right? Wouldn't it be fun just to lock arms with a bunch of people, run after the Lord all together at the same pace? Yes? That's a hunger. That's a thirst. That's proper. We can't get sucked into anything lesser than that. Do you hear me? Are you at James 4? If so, say Madison. Madison. Great. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate your word, just like I pray every single week, that you would illuminate your word, that it would jump off the page and land in our hearts, Lord. That Holy Spirit, you would bring discernment to every single word spoken. And that, Lord, you would speak to us personally tonight. Thank you, King. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read the first...
10 verses of James chapter 4. Okay? Okay, Lex. Okay. <sighs> How many times? I know. Are you all there? What, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it all on your passions. You adulterous people. Wham, right? He's going at it. Do you not know that friendship with the Lord is, uh, what, how do you say that? Enmity? Sounds right. Emni. Thank you. Against, yes, or whatever. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say, he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will free, flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He doesn't hold back any punches there, huh? James throws some heaters in this. He doesn't hold back. But James is letting us know the root of division is, is the surrounding pleasures and passions that are not aligned with the Lord's heart. Yes? The word pleasures is the same word used in the parable of the soils in regard to the soil of the thorns, that they were choked out by the pleasures. Yes? Let me read it to you. In Luke 8, 14, it says, And as what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. It's the same word used in Titus 3, 3. For we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. We lust and we become jealous, so then we kill the person, right? We're envious and don't get our way, so we fight and divide. All of us have been guilty of these things, correct? All of, us miss, all of this is a misuse of actual blessing. Let me add some language to this because I think this is cool. Just like, just like conviction misused is guilt and shame, there's something in here as well. Okay, And I want to add some different language to it. Do you understand that human nature and the way that we were made was to want more. There's a driving factor in every single one of us of to want more in life. Whether it looks like everybody else's or not, there is a growth and something that takes place in you that you want more, right? You go to college because you want more. You read the word because you want more. You try to go after that promotion so that you can get more. All of these things, there's something in us that likes growth. Yes? It's just who we are. But we can misuse that very quickly. And track with me for a second here, okay? Jealousy is, is, is not good because it's a misuse of something. And I got to thinking of like, okay, so what's the, what's the opposite of jealousy, right? I, I even Googled, like, what opposite words of jealousy, just to kind of get my gears turning. I didn't like any of the results that Webster's gave me. But missed, just like misused conviction is guilt and shame, misused unity is division. Yes? So a misused hunger and thirst is jealousy. 
A misused hunger and thirst turns into jealousy. Because what the Lord does is he actually implants a hunger and a thirst in us for him. Yes? He's done it in every single one of you. That's why you keep on showing up. That's why you keep on opening your Bible. That's why you keep on wanting to know him. You are gratifying that hunger and thirst in you because you're saying yes to his ways. But when you're not steering the ship properly, I could start getting jealous of Zoe because she's way more anointed than I am. And then I could see what she's doing and I could be like, man, I really, really want that on my life. I really want that. I, 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 I start beginning to get hungry and thirsty for it because I see something on her life that I don't have. And then guess what? It all bubbles up, bubbles up if I don't do anything with it properly and I get jealous of her. Are you hearing me? If I steward hunger and thirst properly, it's always going to align me with his will. And it's going to turn into this beautiful hand-holding with the Lord, if you will. It's going to be a, a beautiful relationship with the Lord because he gratifies me in every hunger and every thirst that I could ever have or want. Does this make sense? So if I misuse my hunger and thirst, I will get jealous every time. How many of you have looked at somebody who's really good at something that you like to do and you immediately got jealous of them? Right? Well, that's a bummer, right? Because what, what my proper... My proper application of that should actually be, well, I, I just need to learn. Because jealousy is bitterness. It's anger. It's, ah, screw Kylie. I just want what she has, you know? Right? That's what jealousy is. It does something in your spirit that gets ugly. Hunger and thirst is beautiful. It's very, very beautiful. Our human nature is always wanting to grow and excel. That's why we want more money. That's why we want career advancement. That's why some of you guys are going to college. That's why we study the Bible. We want to be used by the Lord more. Yes? Yes. This is hunger and thirst. But it can change to jealousy very, 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 very quickly. If I want somebody to be healed by laying on of my hands so my, so my ministry can be taken serious, or approval of man. One, I will never see it. See it. Two, I have lost my hunger for the Lord. It's tragic, yes? Yes? That's terrifying. You ever see that on somebody? Run for the hills. Run, dude. Get away from that kind of thing. You don't need that person's prayer. Prayer's always good, Lex. Well, I'm sorry. I've told people I wouldn't pray over them sometimes. One, because their heart was not in the right place, and I saw it on them right away. Yes? Two, I wasn't going to continue to play their little vinyl, tiny little violin. Some of us have interpreted that Verse in 1 Corinthians 14 is jealously de desire the spiritual gifts, <laughs> right? You're like, wait, that sounds almost right. No, it's earnestly desire, <laughs> not jealously, earnestly. What's that mean? Earnestly means I go after something with everything that I've got hungry for it. And guess what? I guarantee if your hunger and thirst is pure, he'll see it, he'll bless it, he'll find favor on it. And you'll see the stuff. Yes? Golly. But if I'm jealous, oh, goodness gracious. James talks then on kind of transitions into how we're praying wrong, right? You know what? You do not have because you don't ask, and then you ask and you don't receive. It's like, whoa, what? <laughs> but you got to understand what's going on here. One, you're either not praying for it, 
yes? And you're like, oh my gosh, why hasn't this come, <laughs> come to fruition in my life? Huh, you haven't asked, right? Like if Wyatt wanted two grand and, and he was expecting me to give it to him and he, I, and he never asked me and then he gets mad at me, that would be really stupid, yes? No. <laughs> Do you get it though? Yeah. Right? I have to ask somebody to be able to receive from somebody. The Lord's the same way. Yes? And then he says, you ask and you do not receive. Well, oh my gosh, scripture's contradicting itself. No, it's not. Your motive's jacked up. Your motive's jacked up. You're asking for what? Selfish gain. How many of you prayed selfishly before? Oh, well, let me put two hands up because I have. Yes, right? I've prayed self selfishly before. Did I see that thing happen? No. <laughs> I was waiting for you to fill in the blank. No. 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 You'd be silly to think if I'm praying. <laughs> You'd be silly to think if you're praying for something out of selfish motive that he's actually going to bless it. That would be just, <laughs> that would be moronic. You'd be the biggest idiot to ever walk the planet. And I'm saying it about myself too, because I've done it. Are you hearing me? Yes. Okay. Let me go into maybe a fun topic here. I think most of the church prays wrong. I was talking to a friend the other day about this, and I think most of the church prays wrong. Let me tell you why. Because you're all probably thinking, oh my gosh, how could you say? Yeah. But I think of two stories. I think of the Pharisees on the street corners using so many words that it doesn't even make sense anymore. Dressed all flashy. A look at me fest, which I think a lot of people fall into. How long can I pray so that I feel spiritual? <sighs> Jesus said, be healed. <laughs> Jesus said, get up and walk. <laughs> you get it? I think we're praying wrong. The other thing that I think that we're praying wrong is, is I think of that moment in the, in the Moses story where, uh, where he's asking the Lord, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do right before the, he crosses the sea? Uh, have you heard that Moses split the sea before? Yes. Okay, cool. Right before he split the sea, he starts asking God, what are we going to do? We've hit a dead end. What am I going to do? What's the Lord say? Does anybody know? Good guess. He says, look in your hand. What did he have in his hand? His staff. That staff did a lot of things before that. He said, look in your hand. You've already got the answer. Shut up and go. <laughs> right? You guys are praying the same thing over and over and over again. You're like, well, he's not doing anything with it. He probably is telling you to freaking do what you're doing and use what he's already blessed you with and be obedient with where you're at instead of being a gripey little baby wanting more all the time when you're not faithful with what you have. Like, where's my promotion, Lord? Oh, well, my boss just told me I've been late four times in a row and, and that uh, he doesn't see a future with me as the company. Oh, well, you got to do your freaking job well if you think that you're going to get promoted. Right? Oh, my gosh, he didn't pass me on that test. What would you get on the test? An F? Oh, oh, I wonder why he didn't pass you. <laughs> right? This is stupid logic. And you guys are laughing, but you, you're applying to this. To you, if you apply this to your spiritual world, you're just like, oh my gosh, I am bankrupt. I'm a two-bit Christian, right? If you're praying for tongues and it's not happening, huh, you're praying the wrong thing. Pray for something else. He doesn't have that for you today. Or look at, look at the mirror. How many of you have prayed a prayer because you weren't satisfied with the result? Yeah. A lot of us. 
Oh, well, Lord, that's not what I pictured. Yeah, because your motive is selfish. His ways are higher. They look different. Do you understand that he's got a very, very different view on the world than you do? At five foot five or whatever you are. You see it from this right here, dude. That's it. Where's he seeing it? Well, he's got it in his hand and he can, you know, because that song says it, he's got the whole, right? So it's got to be true. So he's got it all. <laughs> he sees it all. He's orchestrated it, right? Man, if we grab this, I bet we'd see a lot more people be healed. I think we'd see a lot more prophetic unleashed. I think we'd see a lot more of him. I'm trying to figure out where my notes are. Maybe he isn't giving you a platform because you haven't been faithful with the platform that he's given you. Do you get this? you do it'll change your life how many of you know that the Lord is very very smart when we lose sight of this we've created our own theology that God works for me how many of you know that he's not surprised by anything he's not shocked wouldn't it be weird if God was surprised <laughs> like if you popped around a corner he'd <gasps> no he knows what's coming he understands it all. And he still writes an invitation to you every single day. Every single day. Even though he knows how bankrupt we are. Right? He knows how jacked up we are. And he still sends it in the mail and says, hey, are you going to accept it today? Hey, you're invited again. Are you going to accept it today? Hey, I put that guy in front of you at the grocery store. Are you going to say yes today? Hey, I'm setting this coworker up in front of you right now. Are you going to say yes today? Hey, your family's going through something. Are you going to say yes today? Are you going to actually say yes to your, the platform that he's given you? Or are you continuing to say, Lord, this isn't enough. I need more from you before I serve you properly. How idiotic can we be? The cure-all for all these shortcomings is we need to be humble and fear him again. Huh. We need just the reverence and the fear of the Lord injected back into us again. Not that, oh my gosh, he's going to smite me, but oh my gosh, he could. Oh my gosh, he's going to lift his hand, but that he could. What if we actually revered him rightly and we were humble servants, not these arrogant, shuffling around people? Hmm, man. Our, our pride makes us look more and more like the world every single day. His ways are higher, but look lower. His ways are higher, but look, or, oh, uh, but look lower. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Pride makes us feel like we deserve all things now. It creates a greedy and jealous appetite. But if we are truly spirit-filled people, we should see that all things outside of him are cheap substitutes. Many times have you tried to gratify yourself by a cheap substitute that's not him? Often. Often, right? Sadly, that's a reality. In verses 7 through 10, James, James tells us how we draw near to him. And through those three verses, I, I pulled out five things. Submit to God. Resist the devil, cleanse your hands, 
mourn over your sins and humble yourself. Okay? I'm going to go one by one just to riff on them for a little bit and then we'll keep on reading, okay? You guys still with me? Yeah. Okay. Submit to God. We have to yield to his authority and his will. We have to commit to him, actually commit to him. Not just say that we are, but actually do it. And we have to be willing people to actually follow his every command, not part. Yes? The work of the devil is to say, hey, you can follow part of Jesus. Correct? He wants the full thing. I want to give him the full thing. I really, really do. I'm trying every single day. I really, really do. Okay? We have to submit ourselves to him. Second one is resist the devil. This is not what you think it is. It's not, okay, how do I study the devil so I can know how to resist him? No, 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 no. That's like learning how to sin so that you can not do it. That's really stupid, right? You don't resist the devil by getting a demonology PhD or whatever it's called. You resist the devil by falling in love with him and submitting to him and capturing all of his truth. Yes? Do you understand that part of Christianity is I follow him with my whole heart, mind, and soul and everything else fades away? How many of you know that? It's a real reality. I don't have to focus on the devil. I know that he's a one-trick pony. Did God really say? That's all he's got. Okay? Sorry if you like ponies. I didn't mean to attach devil to the pony, but, but that's all he's got, dude. He's got one trick. That's it. So there you go. You have a PhD in demonology. Congrats. But if I follow him right, rightly, if I see him rightly, if I do his will, if I align my desires and align our heartbeats and all of these things, I don't care about the devil. I don't care about the devil. I think he's annoying, but I don't care about him. Okay? Does that make sense? Don't give in to temptation. That's it. It's easy. Fall in love with him again, with the Lord again. The third one is cleanse your hands. Replace your desire for sin with his desires. How many of you know that the Lord is a transactional God? He will always say, hey, give me that and I'll replace it with this, right? If I replace my desire for sin and completely fall in love with him and align my desires with his desires, I'm going to see mountains move. Okay, that's coming with clean hands. Okay? Fourth one is mourn over your sins. A lot of people, when they read that, it's like, mourn? Oh my gosh, get rid of my joy? No, 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 no. Don't read it wrong. Blessed are those who mourn. Yes, that's part of the Beatitudes. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of, okay, I know what I did to the Lord because of my sin. I'm going to implant myself in that for a second. Move on. Do you know that when you sin, it does something to the Father's heart? Uh-oh. Do you know that? It moves his heart, not in the good sense. It grieves him. It hurts him. That's what he's inviting you into. The misuse of this is what? Guilt and shame. Okay? Be careful. <laughs> If you don't know where your lines are, you're going to get sucked into this toilet bowl of emotions. And hey, just understand what you did to the Father's heart. Blessed are those who mourn, he says. So mourn over your sins. Let him know that you are grieved over what you did to him as well. Let him know that you are sorry for the cross. Yes? Let him know. Let him know. How many of you actually have let him know that you are sorry that one of those stripes on his back was because of you? Whew. Mourn it. Mourn that. Turn it into gratitude. Right? Say, Lord, thank you. Okay? Does that make sense? The last one is humble yourself and he will exalt you. He doesn't like proud. He doesn't like pride. He likes the meek, 
Yes? Yes. He loves the meek. He loves the humble. He honors the humble. Just the way he came into the world, just the way he lived his life, just the way he walked on this earth. We've got to be more like him. We've got to be. We've got to be more Christ-like. That's humble. That's humility. Okay? Does that all make sense? Yes. We have to realize that Christianity is more than just getting to heaven. It's about actually honoring him rightly. Heaven is literally <laughs> the bowl that everything else is in. It's still part of the whole entire Sunday, if you will. But there's more. We've got to honor him rightly. We have to learn how to honor him here on earth or we're going to hate heaven because that's all that we're going to be doing. Shall we continue? We good? Okay. Um, 11 through 17. Do not speak evil against one another. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? 13. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Okay? When or if I truly love someone, I am fulfilling the call Jesus put on my life. When or if I truly love someone rightly, more than just my wife and my kid or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or just my immediate family, which sometimes are the hardest to love. But if I truly, truly love somebody, truly, I'm fulfilling the call that Jesus put on my life. Christianity is not a checklist of do's and don'ts. We cannot continue to justify our checklist, meanwhile, hating his creation. Right? We can't. Are you more prone to criticize when somebody messes up? Yes? I think, how do I say this properly? This is what I think is hilarious about cancel culture. Can I go for, can I go here? Is this Okay. I think it's hilarious that cancel culture capitalizes on people's shortcomings and failures. And I think the, these couple verses that we just read wraps up how stupid cancel culture is, that there's no grace anymore, that there's no redemption anymore, that we just say, well, they're a lost cause. Cancel them, ruin their lives, throw them out with the bathwater, right? How many of you have secret sin that you don't want people to know of? Yeah, everybody's like, oh, should I nod my head? Does he know? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that tonight, okay? Don't, get, don't worry. All of us, I'm sorry, I'm not wearing my sin. I don't. I didn't create a logo for it. And I'm not making parades for it. Okay? 
I'm not. Neither are you. And no, I'm not going after just one thing here. I'm going after all things. All secret sin, okay? Don't say Lex is this, okay? Stop it. All secret sin, okay? I'm not proud of it. But yet we get on Twitter and we just cancel people left and right. It's, a, it's sometimes a trending hashtag on Twitter. Cancel them. What? You know they have family, wife, kids? Is anybody going to actually want to step up and speak into their lives? Man, what happens if a worship pastor gets canceled? You know, who is the worship guy that just got canceled? Don, who? Dante Bo. Dante Bo. Thank you. He just got canceled. All of you guys have heard his songs and still worship to him. And you're just like, oh my gosh, he was dancing on a bus? Oh, kill him. What? Girls just want to, I'm just joking, right? <laughs> hey, people, screw up. So do you. You suck just as much as he sucks. Man, wouldn't that suck? <laughs> <laughs> that would just suck, dude. That would rip. If something secret came out about you, man, I'm, I promise you I will never cancel you. But I'll be there for you. I'll, I'll speak in your life. I'll help you through it. No matter how ugly disgusting, whatever it is, I'll be there for you. I will, I promise. I'm not going to cancel you. No matter who it is, if they're close to me, if somebody tries to get canceled, man, one of my favorite comedians got canceled. It absolutely wrecked him. He had a kid on the way and he gets canceled. It wrecked him. It destroyed him. He's still in counseling, trying to recover. That breaks my heart. But man, Christians, oh, screw him. He's too far gone. Who cares? Ugh. Where's the grace anymore for each other? We act so much like the judge, but none of you guys are holding the gavel. And it's not Halloween this month, so you can't dress up like a judge and play. Come on, right? Like, man, have some grace with one another. Who in here is perfect? None of you. But we'll hang anybody. We'll jump on the train. I would get canceled. Frick, pull some things up out of middle school and high school for me. You'd cancel me in a moment. You'd be like, he's preaching now? Heck yeah, I am. You would cancel me in a second. You would think, oh, he can't speak into my life. He did acid? Oh, God, he can't do I No. What? Come on, you're having grace with me. Why can't we have grace with everybody else? Especially the world. They don't even know what we know. <laughs> you know? We, they don't even know. Breaks my heart, man. Why are we more prone to point out flaw than to call out the best in somebody? Do you understand that that's actually like the root of the prophetic? It's not about how to predict the future. It's not pulling up a crystal ball. It's actually saying, Nikki, I see amazing things on you because of who you are. Right? That's all it is. I'm pulling out the best in Zoe by prophesying over her. Obviously, by the Lord, I don't need any fake prophecies in this building. Yes? Amen? Okay, act maybe Pentecostal for a second. Say amen, brother. Yeah? Okay, come on. I don't want spiritual manipulation, and I'll, I don't have a lot of grace for that, but I would. It would be hard for me, but I would do it. The root of prophecy in, in just my studies is not where they are going, but who they are becoming. I'm a slightly different person than I was last week. I better be, right? That's the standard I hold myself to. It's like, you know, get closer to the Lord at least once a week. 
learn a new thing about him, know him, be intimate with him so I can be different than I was last week. We have to, there, frankly, there's no point in making plans as though God doesn't exist. The future is in his hands. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying not to make goals, but what I am saying is plan ahead, and, but hold them loosely. We need to put his desires ahead of my own, and he needs to be the CEO of our lives. Yes? Think of this. If you came to the Lord for the first time today, you would have something to offer the world. Yes? You've known the Lord longer than somebody. Isn't that cool? That's kingdom culture right there. I love that. I love that. Some of you guys think, oh, I'm not qualified enough to talk about him. Oh, you're plenty. You're very qualified, actually. Why? Because he touched your life. Yes? So that person at the grocery store who's not saved, you have something to offer them. Do you know that? And you don't have to be wearing a spiritual shirt. You don't have to have a bumper stick on your car. It's enough just to know him, love him, and let people know about him. Yes? yes. I think that's really cool. Frankly, I may not have experienced the Lord in ways that you have. You have something to offer me. Right? I've never overcome alcoholism. I never have. I will never know what that's like. I was set free from depression, anxiety, and suicide before, though. So I have that. I can offer you in something like that, but I've not done some of the other things. I don't have the other things to offer you. We all have something to offer each other. This is what James talks, James talks about in 13, verses 13 and 14. You don't know what tomorrow will hold. So if we live humbly and properly every day, that the Lord will become the, the Lord will become more manifest every single day. Let me put it this way. When I buy a product and it changes my life, I want to tell people about it. Are you the same way? Right? Benji, when you got your knives, the first thing I learned about you is, okay, these are the knives that I use, right? When he cooks, yes? Or we just got a new couch and we absolutely love it because it's indestructible, it's baby-proof and dog-proof, right? And wine-proof, right? It's all of these things tied up in one. It's indestructible. It's from inside weather. It's lovely. It's beautiful. It's highly recommended. You want to tell people about it. Or if I have a sweet set of tires on my car, I want to tell somebody about it so that they're safer. I, I, on my Jeep, I've got Falcons on it, and they are the best tire I've ever driven on. They literally cut through ice. It's amazing. It's crazy. I can do whatever I want in them. When something changes my life, I want to tell somebody about it. Or else I'm frankly unchanged. Let me put it this way, maybe. It is a sin to do wrong, but it's also a sin to not do the right thing. It's a sin to lie, but it's also a sin to not tell the truth when he's prompting you. It's a sin to speak illy of somebody, but it's also a sin to avoid that person when you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you to go minister to them. We have to be a people that is willing to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Is his voice loud enough? It needs to be louder. If the Lord truly changed my life, shouldn't I want to talk about him and what he's done? Yes? The best litmus of this, when I hear of 
when people start talking to me and I'm always afraid of like sharing stuff like this because you're going to like be on your best behavior when you talk to me. But when you, when you share your testimony, I feel like a lot of us share our testimony of like, okay, here's all the shit that I did. And I'm going to take 20 minutes on it. And then here's 20 seconds about, and then Jesus changed my life. The end. Do you see what's wrong with that? Like, okay, you're telling this big old life story. Oh my gosh, I was so lost. And, and I, oh my gosh, I just couldn't, I, 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 I was just bankrupt and all these things. And then, and then Jesus showed up in my life and I was changed at the end. <laughs> Shouldn't the testimony be about Jesus? If he was that important in the story, shouldn't it be about him? Like, all the things that I was saved by, I realized what he was doing in those moments that I wasn't saying yes to him. I realized the moments where he was saving my life through idiotic decisions that I was making in my middle school and high school years. I understood after I was saved, I could look back and I'm like, whoa, his hand was on me. Not, oh my gosh, I was so jacked up and then I just continued to get more jacked up and like, oh my God, I was so jacked up actually. And then it just continued to get more jacked up and oh, that son of a, you know, got really bad at me. And then oh, I was so jacked up and oh. And then I met Jesus at a, at a summer camp and everything changed and <laughs> the end. Do you get what I'm doing? Where's he in the story, dude? Isn't he? A, he's like the main character, right? Oh, wait. In my testimony telling Lex, I'm the main character. No, he's the main character, dude. Shouldn't Jesus be the testimony? Like, shouldn't Jesus be, I was so lost. But throughout all of that, he was gifting me with purpose, with blessing, with favor. Just to get me to the point where I could meet him. He made people intersect with my life so that he could meet me personally. When my worship pastor stepped down, he gifted me with a voice so that I could continue and so that the church, church could carry on worship. When the youth pastor stepped down, then he gifted me a voice. My first sermon was not him because <laughs> I was so nervous. But he gifted me with a voice again so that I could magnify his name in a different way. And then he continued to do that as he gave me influence and influence so that I could speak into people's lives that I never dreamed of meeting. And he continued to bless me financially so that he, he could set me up for where we're at today, that we could write checks that we don't have so that we could sacrifice something to him so that he can be honored. He'll tell a radical 20-something-year-old to plant a house church so that... People that would never walk into a building like this could be reached and encounter the Lord for the first time ever in their entire lives and be healed. He set me up to encounter people with epilepsy who had shorter legs and that they needed to grow and that he would minister to them and watch them release and be healed forever still today. And he knew that if he introduced Holy Spirit to me too quickly, I would run for the hills because I would be a scaredy cat. So he waited. He waited for the perfect time so that I could meet him in his fullness and not run. He knew me well enough before I knew him. Do you get it? Do you get it? He, 
He's the reason. And he continues to decide to co-labor with us. He's the reason. He saw something in me, in you, before we ever saw that thing in us. Gosh, I was on my way to go kill myself, and he turned on, turned on a song so that I wouldn't. He did it. He did it. It wasn't a crappy car that I was driving at the time, and I didn't hit a bump hard enough for the radio to turn on. <laughs> it wasn't coincidence. It was him. He set it up. Do you get it? Yeah. Man, I just want us to fall in love with him again. I do. I want us to fall in love with him again. I just want that hunger and thirst to be so just, I don't even know how to verbalize it. I just want us to fall in love with him all over again and to stop being so selfish. Stop saying, Jesus, I need this from you. I need that from you. I need this from you. I need that from you. He doesn't report to you. The question should be, Jesus, what do you need from me today? And then after you do that thing, ask him if he was pleased by the way you did that thing. He's the one who's giving the evaluation. And good thing there's checks along the way or else we would be so lost. Right? Good thing he guides us along the way or else we would be so lost. Are you grabbing all this? His ways are higher than anything that you have dreamt, can dream, or will dream. If you went to my high school graduation and said, guess what Lex is doing these days? Or uh, like a uh, reunion, sorry, not graduation, reunion. And you asked a couple people, what's Lex doing these days? They would, have, they would be like, is he alive? <laughs> They'd be shocked when they hear that he's a pastor and that he's really radical. They'd be shocked because I wasn't that way. I was a church boy, but I was there for the church girls. I'm just being honest. But man, he changed my life. And I believe that he changed your life enough so that you can have the same hunger and thirst for him. He doesn't have to do the crazy story. It's enough what he did for you. Yes? I think that's all I got. So Lord, I just pray that, Lord, that you would just inject a hunger into every single person for the real the real, the real you, the authentic you. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you administer to every single person in the room right now. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you do love us and that you woo us into relationship with you. That you want us to be intimate with you. And Lord, I pray that we would just get a glimpse of that your ways are higher in our lives. And I pray that we would, I pray that we would just jump at every single opportunity that you put in front of us. that we wouldn't see shortcomings, but that we would know your power and that you're empowering. Pray that you would inject a hunger for your scriptures in the room. They would long to read the red this year. Long to just know who you are, Jesus, on a deeper level.
They would learn your truths and that they would recalibrate to those truths. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your promise that if we draw near to you, the guarantee is that you'll draw near to us. Yeah, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen.